Hi guys, my name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. So I've been having like a minor heart attack for the last 20 minutes because it felt like my microphone wasn't working. I plugged it in and the software that I normally use to record was not picking it up. Turns out I had mistakenly changed a setting in the software. At least I figured that I would change it back. But still, like the levels and stuff that I normally or settings that I have on my microphone, I had to change those. So now I'm just confused. Like, was I using the wrong setting for the last 40 plus episodes? (laughs) Let me tell you, this whole legally clueless thing is real. I am figuring this thing out as I go, including my equipment. Anywho, away from that, it's my birthday week. I'm so excited. I don't know when you're listening to this, but my birthday is on the 5th of February, which is Wednesday. And I love, 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 love birthdays. We, as a family, have a tradition. We all, on everybody's birthday, we have dinner together, people bring gifts and there's cake. And let me tell you, I just love everything about that fanfare. I love gifts, not because of what somebody has bought me. Like you could wrap a spoon and give it to me, but please don't buy me a spoon. I have enough cutlery. But I think for me, it's like that somebody took time off their day to either make something or go and buy something with the sole intent of putting a smile on my face. I'm just like, oh, that is so sweet. And it just gives me uh, a nice high. But yeah, so Wednesday, I turn 31 years old. So let me tell you about my 30th year on this wild planet. One thing that I have to say about the third floor, as people call it, is I love how much less confusion your 30s have than your 20s. My 20s had like a lot of traumatic things happening in my life. It was just a lot of confusion, like jam-packed. And when I turned 30, I feel like it was like a light switch. That confusion just died down a bit. Not to say that it's not there, but it was just less noisy. Maybe it's because I was more intentional about working towards that. Or maybe it was actually a light switch that comes when you turn 30. I, I, I just don't know. But I am turning 31 on Wednesdays. And I think one amazing thing about birthdays and one thing that I'm intentionally celebrating is that aging is a privilege. It's not something that everybody gets to do. You know, like when we say, oh, I'm so blessed to see another year. No, legit, that shit is a blessing. It is a gift. It is not automatic. There are very many people who don't make it to see another year. So it is a privilege. And I'm like, thank you. My 30th year was a beautiful year. Um, It's the year I quit a toxic job. And so that meant overcoming fear of the unknown, at least for that moment. I mean, that fear is still perambulating around, but, um, (laughs) you know, I gave it a good jab by quitting a job that I hated. My 30th year gave me a lot of clarity about the person I am, the person I want to be and the things that I want to achieve. And also on my strengths and my capability of achieving those things, I have felt the most me I have ever felt in a long time in my 30th year. Even with all the the madness and, and the fear and all of those, you know, negative things, I have really felt the most me I've been in a long time and it just feels so, so good. 
currently, I mean, I told you in the last episode, I let go of my management team. And I have always been in control of these things, but now I'm more conscious of them and being in control of like the proposals, the pitching, the follow-up, the brand strategy, the brand development, the looking into business ideas and things like that. It's a lot of work, but I love it. I love that I've really silenced the noise around me, you guys. Like... I think it's allowed me to hear who I am. And so maybe that's why, going back to what I said, I feel the most me I've felt in such a long time. Maybe in the last couple of years, I just had a lot of noise around me. And some of the noise I identified as noise and some I didn't until much recently. Anyway, I'm just so proud of myself. I'm turning 31 feeling like I am that woman that 10 years ago, five years ago, I'd always wanted to be. And that just makes me so proud of myself. I'm proud that right until the final days of my 30th year, I have chosen me. It's not always easy to choose yourself over anyone or anything, but I have intentionally gone out of my way to choose me. (laughs) Because your life is just too short. It's just too fleeting to choose anyone or anything else. You've got to make sure that you're constantly working towards living your most real and most genuine truth. So I'm proud that I've been intentional about trying to do that. I'm not saying that it's a constant thing. Obviously, there's some days where I stumble and I don't really achieve it and stuff like that. But that I am intentional about it is something that I'm so proud of. So I'm not going to talk too much in this episode because there is a powerful story that I can't wait for you to listen to. It is Jerry's story of the worst day of her life that also doubled up as the day her marriage ended and the day that she was intentional oh my god yes oh i didn't even realize like you know that really should be the theme of this episode the day she was very intentional about healing from that relationship like intentional to the point of timelines and writing it down you know i saw you guys the journal and it helps writing it down and becoming the woman that she needed at a point where she was probably at her weakest a hundred african stories there is no proper life that you live in university as a musician if i constantly just walked around feeling sorry for myself i'm never gonna get anything done uh, there's a bit of frustration in between all of that i've been breaking my back for this company therapy is not for the weak or for the crazy stories from africa my name is njeri and i come from nairobi kenya the year was actually 2016 Um, This was my eighth year in this relationship. So we had been together a total of eight years at this point. Um, And it was towards the end of 2016. So um, we had two children and, you know, it was a bit of a difficult relationship. But I honestly didn't know how difficult it was. I didn't know how difficult it was. I was just busy making it work. The last day of the relationship was so dramatic. Oh, my God. It was so dramatic, like literally from a movie. So he hadn't been home. And he never used to come home. Um, he Well, let me say he, he used to go for sleepovers. I don't know where he used to go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. But it was those ones of, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to work. And then, oh, you know, I'll come back in the evening. Today I'll be a bit late. And then that late turns into three days. So you're just like, you know what? Yeah, it's fine. So I actually found peace in those gaps because it had been so tumultuous for a while. 
it wasn't terrible for eight years, but I feel like for eight years I was just doing too much work, trying to make it work and trying to make sense out of it all. And also, I guess, trying to make him something that could, you know, work. Honestly, turning him into a better version of what I thought he could, he was at the time. So this last day I text him and I'm like, I need the laptop because he had gone with my laptop and I needed to work. And so he goes like, you know what? In any case, I'm coming to pick my shit. So I'm like, oh, cool. So, because at least now you've given me like something to work with. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it is a sad story, but it's it's actually a little bit funny now. Um, having, you know, walked through it such a long time ago. And so he comes home and then I packed his clothes. Okay. Now, they usually say, fear a woman who packs slowly. Okay. I didn't pack aggressively, like throwing things on the floor. I'm so upset. How can you do this? I packed, I folded, I packed, I folded, I put shoes on one in one bag, shirts in another. I packed slowly and then I put them by the door. Because in any case, now you've told me you're coming for your stuff. So it's over. And I knew at this point I needed this relationship to be over. Two weeks before this moment of me packing, I had gone on a little trip with my girls. And it was something that was so minute, but it's actually the moment that changed my life. And we're just having a chat by the lake. It was in Naivasha. And we're having a chat by the lake and they were like, so how are you doing? I'm like, I mean, it's, it's okay, but I think we'll, we'll find better seasons. And then one of them said, you know you always say that. And I said, what do you mean? So you always say you're okay going through something but you're hoping for the season to improve like for a better season and then I said I was like wait how long have I been saying this for oh my gosh so now you, you know you do a mental quick mental health check because again I'm a mom already so yeah if the relationship is not working I still have so many other things to focus on right so I started to think back and reflect and I said wow oh my gosh I've been working overtime like I have another job which is this human being so that is why I found the strength to pack slowly because then I had now accepted, hey, this thing isn't working. Yeah, we had a wedding. Yeah, it was nice, but it's just not working. And for the longest time, I thought I can't possibly be a single mom because I'm not those chicks. I'm really not those chicks. I don't know how. It's not my desire. I'm busy. Honestly, I'm really busy. So how can I balance being a single mom and then you know, all these things that are coming up against me? So I started to think, okay, how is this going to work? Fast forward, back to the packing bags are at the door and then he came looking weird and stuff because every time he used to disappear I don't know where he used to go but he used to come back looking like hell and I'm like hell has arrived hell has arrived (laughs) I know I really find this such a hilarious story today today you know he came in and he was so aggressive and he started you know coming at me with such aggression because I'm just like where is the laptop and if you know anything about abusers You will never get a clear answer to anything which maybe they should be responsible for. So a question such as where is the laptop quickly elicited the biggest fight of my entire life. This guy was like, yeah, fuck you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what do you mean? And before that, would you believe I had such a sense to hide everything. So I knew because he was coming and I only wanted him to take his stuff, the things that belonged to him. I had hidden so many things like I hid the hard disk. I hid the logbook, as in, God, imagine I had to do that because I was like, in his anger, he's just going to try and frustrate me. So he came and he was so violent and, you know, coming up at me in the kitchen. And remember, I was cooking, yeah? Everything is on, on the counter at this point. 
he was so upset and he's like, yeah, you made me do this. You're the reason why this relationship has gotten to this point. And I wasn't fighting back because I was like, this is the end and I know this is the end. But if I fight back, even I, I'm not recognizing this level of aggression today. This one is a lot. He had been violent before. But this one time, it felt like the proverbial like monster in his eyes like I could see this one he's not like he's not here to negotiate and so I had quickly you know stashed things away put his stuff by the door so that we can have minimal interaction and he came up to me he held me like by the collar almost and he headbutted me like he knocked me a good headbutt right on my forehead and then I was confused because I've never been headbutted before. Honestly, what are these? <laughs> what methods are these you're using? Why a headbutt? Honestly, what is this? Can't you tell me what it is that's upsetting you? And if it's me already, you haven't been here for a couple of days. Just go. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what I kept saying. Just go. Just go. Mm-hmm. Imagine just go. Then he's like, you know, you've been cheating. Again, another thing that abusers like to do. They kind of put a lot of unwarranted blame on you. Where's your phone? Bring your phone. I did in my phone. Because then I was like, this guy is going to take everything and leave. I even expected him to like bash the windows in or something. Well, thank God he didn't. And it was so bad. The fight moved to the bedroom. Like he was strangling me. I'm like, what is really happening here? The house help came. He's like, Baba Nani, wachana tunae. Kama mumeko sana, we wachana tunae. And enda tu, enda tu. Like she really tried, you know, to stand in the line. He's like, get out of my way. It was so violent. At this point, my kids were sleeping over at my folks' house because it was the holidays, school holiday. I quickly realized this was getting crazy. He pulled off all the wall hangings, all our family photos. He threw them all at me. And these are the wood-mounted ones. Yeah. He's throwing them all. And by the way, I'm not actually the tallest or largest person. So, like, I'm really ducking all these things. He threw off. He took off his ring, threw it at me. And all this time, I still don't understand the fight. But I'd also quickly understood this guy's levels are irrational. So it will never make sense. Mm. So if I keep trying to make it make sense, that will keep me in this relationship for longer. I took the hit, and at some point, I quickly like put on my slippers, which were by the door, and ran outside the house, and ran all the way down to the nearest police station, which is like maybe 300 meters, 400 meters. And I get there crying, of course, like my face is swollen, I've been given a headbutt. This beating started at 12.30. My case, I reported it at around 2. Yeah, so it was a very long fight. I get to the police station, and this man is looking at me. Like, Madame Ninini, you know, and I'm like, this is about to sound so dramatic, but nimechaponabwanangu, like, you know, this is so bad, I can't believe this, blah, blah, blah. Then he's like, hey, madam, wachani hudumia hawa, wakachini. I'm like, why do you want me to sit down? He's a monster, blah, blah, blah. Then they're like, hey, okay. They even said, misawa. They helped me with the phone, I called the house girl, I asked, are you still in the house? Is he there? What's happening? Then she's like, yeah, he's walked out, he's looking for you. I'm like, oh my God, well, I'm in the cop station, at least here he won't find me. It got so dramatic. I had to like, ah, get the cops, go back home with them, like tell the house. Now I had hidden so many things in my house helps mattress. Like, because <laughs> I knew if I leave my phone here, he's going to throw it, he'll bash it. You know what I mean? It's, I, I'm just going to be very inconvenienced. Everything that you can think of that you can, I hid, almost hiding knives so that I don't get slit. So I asked her, has he found the things? He said, she said, no. I said, okay, where's the laptop? She said, I said, thank God. Because the laptop was mine and I needed to send invoices, my friend. <laughs> I needed to actually work. <sighs> it was such a traumatic day. So on my fridge, at back then, I had emergency contacts. Uh, you know, my mom's, my dad's, my sister's, and so on and so forth. So the house help called my mom. 
she didn't pick, she called my sister. And then, you know, she's like, hey, please come, please come, please come. And she has run, she's at the police station, please come. So yeah, you know, they, they gathered each other. My auntie, actually, who lives right there, they came, they were like, what do you mean, you know? Hey, they, it was so dramatic. But at the same time, there's a little glimmer of peace that I had, knowing that this was the last time. I knew that that was the last time. That was the last time that I ever had to deal with this shit. That was the last time that I ever had to be reduced so low in a situation where I still don't even understand what I've done wrong. Yeah, so that was the last day. And I remember when I was at the police station, I just said, how do I report this? Because I need a document showing that this happened. Because this is the last time this is going to happen. If I walk away from this police station without a document, I'm going to go and rationalize that this wasn't that bad that he was upset, and that's why he did what he did. But I said, no, I need a document. So we did the whole P3 form. They sent me to the hospital. So, yeah, I went to uh, Nairobi Hospital, and they, you know, they did that, the whole report thing. I didn't even, I mean, it's such a procedure, let me tell you, to file a complaint. When you're going through all this trauma, you're still physically hurting. And, you know, you, you quickly have to start thinking of what's next. What's next? Really, what's next? Um, yeah, so I got the P3 form. And I think a week later, I was looking for a lawyer because I'm like, this is it. This marks the end for me. It can't continue past here. Past here, I'll be killed. Because that aggression I saw in his eyes, mm -mm, it's not something worth negotiating with. Plus also, I felt like those eight years, I, we met when I was about 20. And then I left about eight years later when I was 28. So I was like, nah, you're not inching into my 30s, my friend. <laughs> those ones are mine. So, <laughs> And that was what I can honestly say was the worst day of my life. It was so bad. It was, and so that was the last day. So eventually I moved back home and that was the beginning of the rest of my life. So of course my mom came and she rescued me and you know, they took me to hospital. We did the whole report thing and they were like, you're not going back to that house no matter what happens. Even if you tell me he's not there, you're still not going back. Because the moment you go back, you'll start reasoning why you need to you know, stay and this is your home and blah, blah, blah. So I went back to my parents' house. And then when that happened, well, I sent a moving truck, <laughs> picked my stuff. Um, I instructed the helper, I told her, please, these and these and these things, don't touch them, those are his, just leave them. Mm -hmm. The things that belong to me and the children, uh, I grabbed them, put them in storage, and I moved back home. Moving back home, Honestly, when you've been living out independently, is not easy. You know, you can imagine going back to the rules of your folks. Where are you going? What, how come you're late? You know, like, are you eating today? All these things. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is where, what's going on in my life. But I'll tell you something about that one day. This was December 1st, 2016. Mm. I got back home maybe around 7 p.m. after the whole hospital, police, whatever, report after all those errands, let me call them errands, I got back home at around 7 in the evening. And I sat in one of the rooms in my folks' house. And I thought, I need to call someone. I need someone I can talk to to explain wh what has happened in order to, get com to feel comfort. Mm. I don't want somebody to say angry things. I don't want somebody to spew any negative emotion about the person. Because I really actually don't need that right now. I need somebody who can really just encourage me right now. Because everywhere you guys are like, ah, that man is a devil. Ah, those people are crazy. Ah, you know that family. Ah, you know. And I was like, man, I really don't want that environment. So I sat down and I journaled. I'm not a very consistent journaler. But when I do journal, I can even lament, la laminate that page. It's usually gold. <laughs> so I wrote down 
three years from today, I'm going to be, I will be the person that I needed to talk to today. After that, I wrote, I will cry for 21 days and I will heal over the course of six months. I wrote that down. And it still brings tears to my eyes because I'm on the other side of that story now, you know. I looked at it, I'm like, yeah, I can work with this. 21 days, I'm going to cry. I'm going to do everything I need to remove all the tears related to this incident in these last eight years that I feel like I kind of wasted. You know, at the time, that's how I was feeling. I was like, man, I don't think this can make sense to me right now. But let me at least start by crying. <laughs> you know, let me start by crying. And I did that. So, of course, my parents were really supportive. And I work from home. I worked from home then. And when I moved back, they gave me a space where I can continue working from home. And every so often, I'd dip out, get into the car, go like to paradise lost sit by the water cry cry i'm telling you that was so therapeutic oh my goodness it was so therapeutic it was everything that i needed that another human being couldn't give me i cried and i cried and i kept crying and i kept telling myself it's okay to cry if if, if the moment comes there's no shame just cry just walk and cry you know uh, I figured out how to explain things to the children. Why are we here? Mommy, how come you've come here? Because remember, they had spent the, they were spending the holiday in December. You know, I, I found a lot of grace and understood how to relate to them and package it for their age. So that wasn't the hardest part. I just kept, you know, full-time hugs. I love you guys. I love you guys. I love you guys. If you ever feel like, you know, I love you guys. Mommy loves you forever. So here I am, single mommy. And I was like, okay, you mean, yeah. Because again, I also felt like I tapped into a side, a space in my heart that had all, had been so consumed with anxiety mm-hmm. that now that space could start to convert and actually have love mm-hmm. and, and spread love and share love with other people. So here I am on my 21 days and I'm literally going through the motions. I'm like, oh my God, I have a P3. I'm in talks with a lawyer yeah, am I doing this because I'm upset? No, I think I need to do this, you know? And I went through that cycle. And people always ask me, what if he changed, would you go back? I'm like, back where? <laughs> what? what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, back to uh, back to when I was 20? <laughs> you know, um, of course I wouldn't because I took that as the lesson for that season of my life. So if I go back, it means I, I want to relearn this particular lesson and I don't think so you know I don't think that's what I want for my life right now and I had really penned down the fact that I'm on a journey you know I'm turning into the person that I would have wanted to call on that very day so I cried it out and it was so therapeutic I went through the six months of healing and I had politely asked everybody in my life including his relatives you remember we had children together so I had to ask everybody to give me six months I was like I'm not having any conversations about anything to do with parenting, co-parenting, grandparenting, nothing. We are not having these conversations. I need to figure out what's going on and I, I need to figure myself out and I need to cement my the new me because 1st December 2016 was a definite marker that there was going to be a lot of change. So I needed to know what was that going to be and who was I going to be. And now that this human element that was as distressing factor has been eliminated who am I going to be so I was like guys we're not having any discussions and this wasn't in terms of just being cocooning into a shell but it was more like I actually just needed to retreat into a space where I can process things without external noise very important so the healing journey began oh my goodness it was so 
amazing. I'll be honest. It was, there was a lot of pain. I will never discount the fact that there was a lot of pain. But it was an amazing journey because I started to look at the things that I had been denied when I was in that marriage, when I was in that relationship. I was like, yeah, I can actually have a guy friend. <gasps> what? Hey, and we're hanging out and there's, you know, there's really nothing wrong with that. I actually remember one time I was having, uh, I had met up with some old friends from, I think, high school. And so we're having a good time. We're beating stores and this dude shows up into the club. And he's like, oh, so this is who you have become. I'm like, dude, like, what is this? Why must you be this person? And all this was going on, you know, in that six months. So I'd go through that, go back home, feel like crap, you know, like probably knock back a few extra shots because that's not fun. That wasn't funny. And then just go back to the original plan. Cry 21 days, heal six months, and three years from now, I'll be okay. The other thing actually that I had stated about that first year was like, this was more like the prayer that I prayed. I was like, Aki God, please, when I see this person, let it be as though I am seeing like, I have no emotion attached to this human being. You're just there. Like, I don't think anything about you. You're just present. It's not, I hate you or I hate men because of you. It was, that really wasn't going to be my intention. That's not the outcome that I wanted or desired for myself in my healing journey. Because then, at that point, you know, you also get to meet people who come and tell you what happened in their failed relationships. And they have some bitterness attached to those statements. And I was like, I don't want to carry that. I also don't want to attribute my anger to this guy he already did so much as in he had the eight years now it's me you know i'm not going to be like i am angry because of <laughs> no like now it's me i need to just bootstrap my way into a happier life and that happier life is never going to come if i'm just always going to be angry about what happened and who did it in the six month phase where i was quiet my girlfriends remember i had taken a little trip with them before i had left the dude we we're meeting, we were meeting, we went out of town for our birthdays because we have a, a, our birthdays at around the same time. So when we were on that trip, there was a suggestion that we should take like a trip for the next year, which was going to be our 30th. And I was like, yeah, okay, where should we go? And then, you know, where should we go? Uh, 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 Thailand. I'm like, what? I mean, you know, abusers make you live inside a small box, right? So I thought, God, I would never be able to afford that. How in the world am I even going to look for a visa? How in the world? Like, you just really second-guess yourself to the bone. And my most memorable day was when I actually paid, within that six months, I paid my first deposit towards the trip that we had been planning for the, rest, the, the, the second half of that year, which was around November. So if healing was between deck and about June, that within that six months, I paid my first deposit for the trip that was going to be that year, November. Man, that was so empowering. That was so empowering. Because somehow abusers leave you feeling very desolate. So when I made that first deposit, I felt so liberated. I said, oh my gosh, I'm about to enter an aeroplane in a direction that I don't even know. Where is Thailand on the map, by the way? Like, where is it on the map? I'm going. I've already paid. I'm going. I'm going. You know, and I worked really hard. And the beauty about moving back home was that I could work without tears. I could work without this whole... I had such anxiety. I think I had a decade of anxiety, you know. So moving back home, I was able to work harder, work longer hours. I loved my job, you know. I'm a creative, so I loved the job, the work that I did, with the work that I do and that I was doing at the time. Some of my best work came from that year, 2017. So I was able to at least earn and take myself, you know, on the trip. And that was quite amazing. That was my most memorable. Honestly, I felt 
so free and empowered i felt like oh my gosh if i can get myself on that plane and go for, it was a two week trip and pay all that money to this to a guide of ours to a whatever and come back ah i can do anything and that feeling i held on to it because sometimes you just need something that you did for your own damn self you just need one thing to hold on to and that can empower you for a long time already i'm a mother so I mean they've always given me strength. My children have always given me strength. But that one I'll say for sure. Most memorable time came up for air <laughs> after the 6 months was done. And every so often I'd just sit down and ask myself, am I doing this because one, I'm angry? Am I doing this because I believe I deserve better? Am I doing this because I want to improve my life and my children's lives? You know, I'd have to I'd always have to pause and ask myself questions like that because when you're going through a healing journey, you can easily get into that space where you're just like now like you're running amok because of all the bottled up emotions that you might be carrying. Remember, I cried for 21 days, almost 21 days straight. So I was like, I yes, I've cried. So I'd always be like, "Jerry, are you doing this because you're upset? Are you doing this because, you know, you want him to see you succeed? Are you doing this because, you know, success is the best revenge?" You know, I'm like, I still don't want to give him any credit. So if I'm succeeding, it's for me. It's for me and these children. It's for me alone. It wasn't going to be like, oh, I'm going to the gym because you know the day he sees me, he'll know what he know. I'm doing this because I need to be fit and healthy. So, a lot of times that's really what I had to keep asking myself. Am I doing this because? Am I doing this because? So, g- going on that trip was one of those things that I felt, you know what? If I do this, this is proof to myself that I can work, I can earn, I can enjoy my life, I can make big decisions, you know what I mean? Like basically starting adulting from scratch and that was such a good feeling i went to thailand i'm happy to report <laughs> i went for two whole weeks and came back it was the best feeling ever but i remember right when i had come back when i came back now i opened the journal again because i said i'm still on track i need to get some things going um lest i forget who i am and remember let me tell you when you go through a breakup there's so many people <laughs> the rebound potential is real <laughs> it's so real you know what i mean like everywhere. it's yeah they're everywhere and then at the same time girls are coming to tell you how they had a narcissistic ex-husband or mm-hmm. a narcissistic ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. and then so every time you look at a new guy you're like i boo you wait first <laughs> uh-uh, please i'm busy writing a book here uh-uh. I mean I did I did I did let me not say dated but I I I really enjoyed the company of a lot of friends and I wanted to make friends because mm. one thing an abuser will rob you of is a community. Mm. Uh, yeah, an abuser will really rob you of your community. And what that means is very early on I felt like my ex at the time was my best friend and that was mm. such an eng- engulfing feeling. And I loved that and I'm the kind of person who likes like if we're dating we are best friends. You get yeah. I don't like those separate lives at mm. you go and I just I want to we hang out, we go for drinks together once in a while. Like I like to hang out with my person. And I thought that was so cute and romantic. Um but at the same time I started to feel like because he had so many ways about him that were of center let me say i always had to try and defend him and that even made me closer to him you get so now i'm covering him in a regular and healthy relationship you should be able to trust your person in a group in a table with other people but in these other relationships with these other kind of people you kind of want to sit next to them even so that they if they open their mouth and say something you're like under the table like don't, don't 
why are you saying that? Like, don't say that. So you quickly realize you're starting to, you're living your life in service of their character. Your friends see you going, but you don't notice how enveloped you are by this human being and the issues that pertain to them. Because of that, now you've already started disappearing from your community, right? Your parents, your friends, your siblings, you know. And it was always so funny because if I'd go out for a drink or something with my girls, I'd come home to a very angry man. But him, <laughs> you get. So so I never used to go out. I never used to go anywhere. So by the time I was taking that Naivasha trip, I think it cost me like 5,000 shillings. First, I felt like Naivasha was another continent. Because you see now, they've, they really keep you in a very tight space. I was like, that's too far. What if I go to Naivasha and something happens? Mm. And then you ask yourself, but what are you fearing? And true to it, I went and some chick was in my house, by the way. So I came back, the neighbors told me, Madam, Mama Nani, I want us to talk woman to woman. I just knew. <laughs> Ooh, you know, I'm told, yeah, there was a lady here. She came on this day. She used this towel because she was seen hanging it, the orange one. Yeah, you was your orange towel. I'm like, oh my god, this is too much, man. So, again, very toxic relationship. So, I had gone through all that. The reason why I needed all that silence to heal was to process all those things that had happened. And of course, the person I was with was a chronic liar. So, I also had to figure out what was true and what wasn't. What have I believed? Because I clearly now I was in my own relationship with this person. We were in two different relationships. He was in his version and I was in my version. I had to look for things that were so real. And that's why I didn't want all the noise and the drama. I had to look for things that were very tangible that I could hold on to. Like one, my work, my talent, my time and my love for my children. You know what I mean? Things that I can bank on. These things are real. These things are actual things that are happening in my life. And imagine that's how basic that my life had to get to. It had to get to that point so that I can start building up. Because if you've been with a narcissist, you'll know how confused you feel. I don't know about how other people do it, but I knew around mid-2018. So this was now a year and a half after the fact, after after I left and after that big fight. I knew I had healed because one, of course, the bitterness wasn't there. So I would see him and I would only have caution, but I wouldn't have bitterness. I wouldn't be like, Fuck. <laughs> so I knew I'd healed in that regard because that was also a goal that I had written down. Now, when I see this person, I just want to see like undo the guy. Like you are just a human being here to do something and you're going. And then the other thing is that, to be honest, I found love. So this person who that I was with at the time was my friend for a very long time. And, you know, I started to feel like, hmm, do I like this guy? Then I was like, "Uh -uh, no, you're on a healing journey. You're not going to like anybody. Keep to yourself for now. You need to figure men out. You've been tarnished by one. Just at least understand what what the whole thing is about. Mm -hmm. So I honestly can say I knew I had healed because when I could investigate my feelings towards my friend at the time they were so pure they were so 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 pure that was an indication the the way i had said it at the time was my heart has ponad (laughs) my little my literal pump is working (laughs) it's working because it is not scared and then it's also not irrational so i was like you know what yeah i think it's working now i didn't um overly act on things and feelings at that time but i could tell you know what yeah these feelings are quite pure so I knew I had healed, but I could also feel it gradually happening. I can definitely say right now I'm healed. I don't 
carry that baggage as heavily as I used to. It will always be a memory. And there is, of course, wounds that became scars. But you you definitely heal. I can say because I was intentional about my healing. I owned my healing process like it was a PhD. <laughs> I was like, uh-uh. I'm giving myself three years. Three years I can manage. By the time I'm 31, 32, I'm a new person. Like, I should be able to do the next thing in my life without fear of this relationship and its effects, you know, clouding my judgment, you know, or hindering me from anything else. Catch our next African stories in the next episode. I think what stands out to me about Jerry's story is how intentional she was about her healing. Because, like, we're intentional about almost everything else in our lives. Like when it comes to our career, we're intentional. We need to make this move. Nah, nah, nah. The brand must grow like this. Um, we're intentional about even our health, right? And the choices we make around that. I'm going to start going to the gym. I'm going to start eating right. We're intentional about how our homes run, right? Literally saying this is the menu for this week. This is when we go for grocery shopping. But when it comes to like, healing we almost just want to go through the motions which is okay yes i'm a firm believer in allowing your body to feel what it is it's feeling but you also have to approach it with the same intentionality and and you'll be so surprised what results it yields i think that's something that i learned much later in life probably learned it when i was what maybe 25 24 that's when I was like, yo, this healing thing, it's not a by coincidence. It happens like you literally have to put your mind to it and have timelines and, you know, really be strategic and intentional about it. So that's what I really loved about her story. I'm so happy that she's doing so well now. And I'm so glad that she shared her story with us. Uh, thank you to everybody who has sent through their birthday wishes. Even as of now, which is before my birthday, I have received some from you on Instagram. So I'm really, really thankful for that. And speaking of Insta, don't forget to join our Insta tribe, which is Legally Clueless Podcast. Follow the page every day. Like we're talking about different aspects of the different episodes. And it's just like a nice happy corner on the internet that you don't want to miss out on. And that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode. <laughs>